You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. next week as well. Obviously this week, if the Lord gives us next week, then we're, we're excited for that one. But uh, next week we're on, on Sunday, so kind of the kickoff to the ministry year, as, as well as the kids going back to school this week. And uh, we're going to have some, a lot of fun and, and games. We've got a barbecue outside, some burgers, some hot dogs. And so please sign up for that so we know how many people are coming, how many burgers, hot dogs to, to bring and, and to cover. And so then also sign up for something to bring as well. So whether it be chips or pop or Whatever, but we're going to supply uh, some of the meat and the, the drinks and the water. So if you want something else, then you can bring a different drink. That's great. But why don't we stand together and we'll get into the text this morning. We're in Luke chapter 10, so please rise with me uh, if you're able. And then we're going to read through. You can follow along on the screen or you can flip in the Bibles to Luke chapter 10. We're going to be reading verses 25 to 37. Uh, maybe a familiar passage to some of you. Let me read this. It says this, And behold, a lawyer stood up to, to put him, to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he desired to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? So Jesus replied to him, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is the word of God. Uh, amen. Let's pray uh, one more time before we get into this text. Uh, Jesus, I thank you for uh, the abilities of stories and, and how they can impact us in different ways and and challenge us, and Jesus, you are the true, uh, one and only amazing storyteller. And there's so much wrapped in, up into this parable, and I, I pray, Jesus, that uh, as we unpack it this morning, that all of us will go away um, desiring to be more like you. And I pray, uh, Jesus, um, that you'll use me despite me, that uh, you'll put me aside, and your word will just shine forth. Uh, to the hearts and the minds and the soul of each one here, including myself. Help us, Lord. We need, we need more of you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We can grab a seat. Well, I don't know about you, but this is one of my most 
favorite stories. My kids, when I, when I read the Bible stories to my kids, and this one would always come up, it's pretty much in every kid's Bible, uh, my kids always called it the Audi Man story. The Audi Man story, and the, the Audi Man, with, with obviously the, the robbers beat the Audi Man up because he's bleeding and almost, well, he's half dead to the point of being. Uh, but it also was one of my favorites because it kind of starts like a joke, right? Like uh, you hear in the playground, like, hey, there's this lawyer and a priest and a Samaritan uh, and a Levite, and, and they're all at this one place. And, and it sounds like a joke that you can tell at, at a playground or somewhere, uh, given these three or those four characters. But it's also one of my favorites because of Jesus. And, and it, like I've already prayed, that he is the master storyteller. Like he had, there's something about Jesus that draws you into his stories because he's telling a bigger truth that, that we need to gather and grab hold of and apply to our lives. See, he, one thing he does, and, and you see it over and over again in this story, is that he asks questions to your question. He draws you in. He makes you think. He makes you work for the, the lesson that he is trying to bestow upon you. See, I personally like to do this also when counseling or talking over coffee. See, in the church, we also, and maybe this is a familiar story, but we get familiar with words, don't we? Words that we say in the church, especially in the church setting, we say things. Maybe like this, like, I, I, I feel really close to God. Or, I am discipling others in the church. Or, I am really growing in my faith. But when asked to provide specifics, it's actually the opposite. You can actually see in the face of the other that what they might be presenting by their words might not actually be happening. Like this lawyer, he knew what to say to Jesus. He knew the answer. It's right there in the text. He quoted the Shema of Deuteronomy 6, but when pressed, what he quoted wasn't necessarily what he was acting out. And we're guilty of this all the time. See, my hope is, after this sermon and as we head into the fall and the beginning of the ministry year starting next week, we will never forget the lessons we can learn from this amazing interaction between a lawyer and Jesus. That we will not only say and know, but we would, that we would do, that we would live out of the words of God, that we'd actually do the things that we know, not just know them like this lawyer at the start of the story. So I've, I've created this little bit of outline. You can see it on the screen there. It's, the first point is knowing is important, uh, verses 25 to 28. Outer beauty, inner beauty, or outer beauty, inner death. Knowing and doing is where it's at. All right, so let's uh, tackle number one there. So verses 25 to 28, I'm going to reread it again here. It says this, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that's a, that's a massive question. So you would think this individual is going to be listening to the answer, and I think he does at the start anyways. And so Jesus responds to him and says to him, What is written in the law? He brings the question back to his question. How do you read it? And the answer, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. That's a great answer. So do this and you will live. See, the great and mighty theologian, G.I. Joe, 
If you're not familiar with G.I. Joe, he's got this amazing statement that he always says. He says, knowing is half the battle. You know, with his sweet kung fu grip and his camel gear, knowing is half the battle. And he's completely right. Knowing is half the battle. It's not everything, but it is at least the big portion of the start of the battle. See, Jesus in our text wanted to see what this lawyer knew. Kids, if you're here, do your parents ever ask a question after you ask them a question? Maybe if, they, if you ask, hey dad or mom, can I have the pop or uh, that candy bar? And maybe your parents will look down at you and look you in the eyes and say, what do you think? What do you think you should have? Maybe that, that's a question you've heard back to you because they're trying to get you to think, right? They're trying to draw some knowledge out of us. To hear in our text, Jesus doesn't say, he basically says, what do you think to the lawyer? This accomplishes a few things for those that are asking the question, accomplishes some stuff, and Jesus accomplishes a lot when he asks this question, this simple question. First, it tells Jesus how this guy answers shows that he has thought through this. He has heard it before, and he has actually put it to memory. Like I said in the Great Shema in Deuteronomy 6, he, he had it memorized. He, he knew what he was to say. Love, you, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He had this down path. So it, it told Jesus something about this man. Secondly, it tells Jesus his understanding of what God has already said. So really, all that's left is the application of what he already knew to be true. So by asking a question upon this question towards Jesus, Jesus becomes aware of how to disciple the man before him based on how he answers the question. And I do this all the time. Like when people, like I played a lot of basketball, I played um, in college and university, and I, I was able to go around the world a little bit playing basketball. It, it was really, it was a good sport to me. It was very helpful. And when people come to me and go, Jared, how, do you, how, how can I be better at basketball? Like instantly my mind goes through the Rolodex of all the things that I can teach them and tell them how to be better. But if I just start spewing that on that person, they actually might know all of those things already. So I would probably ask, what do you know about basketball? You, what, what kind of skills do you have? And based on watching them and seeing this play out and hearing their answers, you can learn a lot. This is exactly what Jesus is doing. Based on what I observe, I would know where to start with this person when it comes to basketball. Jesus is, again, starting and observing what this lawyer knows. So Jesus in our text has done this. What do you know about the law of God? And after the lawyer answers, Jesus says, like in the text, he says, great answer. You have answered correctly. You understand. Then Jesus, based on the answer, gives him the command, do this, and you'll actually live. See, Jesus sees his understanding and answers his question. And like G.I. Joe says, knowing is important. It is half the battle. So right out of the gate, we can learn a few things here. Studying and understanding the law of God is incredibly important. Knowing this book is incredibly important. It's half the battle. 
studying and understanding this. That's why we're doing men's and women's Bible studies starting in mid-September. See, to know the Word of God is the starting point. It is the starting point for us, your neighbor, your friends, and your family. And do you know what God has said? Do you know what God has done? These are important aspects of the Word of God. So Jesus encourages the lawyer for his knowledge, but Jesus didn't stop at knowledge. Jesus then gave a challenge. Jesus challenged him to do it. See, Jesus challenged the lawyer to put what he knew to use, to apply what he knew. And this is the breakdown for a lot of us, and myself included, that we know a lot of what this says. I've actually counseled someone, and, and they said, you know what, I just finished reading through my Bible, so I'm good. And I, I encourage this individual over and over again, please read through it more, you're going to discover, you're going to continue to discover what it says. It's not a once and done kind of a book, it's living and active. So knowing is important, but without the application of it, this is what Jesus is getting to, he says it twice in this text, to now go and do this. To act out loving God with all your heart, which is massive. When you think about it, all of your heart, to love God with all of your strength. Again, that's a massive thing to think about. Everything that you have. Love God with all of your soul. Love God with all of your mind, all of your intellect. And then love your neighbor that way. Imitate Jesus and what he has done for us. See, knowing is important, but without the application, knowledge you have is actually useful. Secondly, the outer beauty, inner death. Let's move on to 29 to 32. Again, I'm going to read the text. It says, and the lawyer comes back. And here is where we've discovered all kinds of things. When Jesus commands him to do likewise, the lawyer comes back to him, desiring to justify himself, says to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus then goes into a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho who fell on robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So like when the Levite came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. See, I don't want to miss this. This, this most likely is a familiar story for all of us. If you've been to church, you've heard this story before, read it in your Bibles. So the danger here, if it's familiar, is that we miss it. That we miss the intricate parts of this and, and what we are going to do as we walk out the door. See, so look again at the first line. It says, Desire to justify himself, says to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? See, can you learn things from what people say and how they respond? Can you learn things just based on someone's question? Without saying anything. So we get the context in the scripture of a little bit of a story and some explanation, but you don't have that in real life, in real time. So Jesus just hears this question, well, who's my neighbor? You can learn a lot from just that question. See, so the answer, can you learn things from what people say and how they respond is yes. You can learn all kinds of things. See, I always suggest 
hearing that question from this individual after he already said the answer, and Jesus answers him. I would suggest that he's putting his foot in his mouth. See, there was a there was a time where I was at it was a different church. We did this members class, and it was about a three hour long members class, very in depth and, and over like really good. Like members classes are actually quite important. We're going to be going through one here at the shore uh, to know where we stand, how we're going to govern the church, and, and what we hold to is most important. It's actually really important to be a part of a members members class and, and to understand membership within the local church. So, so I'm in this class, and this lady, like after three hours, we're cleaning up this room, and this lady comes to me and goes, uh, Jerry, I've got a question for you. And I was like, sure, absolutely, what's your question? And I was, I was just there as a pastor, I wasn't teaching the class at the time, and she comes to me and goes, can you tell me a little bit about membership? And it taught me a lot about that, that person based on that question. Like, we just sat through three hours of membership class. And our very first question is, can you teach me about membership? So again, you can learn all kinds of things when it comes to questions. See, Jesus here or reveals it, like this question anyways, it reveals his blindness. Just like that lady, like, she revealed her blindness with the question. And again, here, we see the blindness of the individual, the lawyer, asking this question. Especially, like I've said already, after Jesus told him the answer to his first question. Like remember his first question is, is in verse 25 where it says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? And he answers it, and Jesus just responds to him in verse 28. Do this. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor. And you will live. See, the lawyer struck the heart with conviction here. He realized at this moment that he knows what to do, but he isn't doing it. So, like the text says, he's trying to justify himself. See, this man, without even knowing it, just revealed like his wicked heart to Jesus by way of question. So Jesus goes further because he loves this man and tells him a story, but not any story. Jesus tells a story about a respected man in the culture, a Levite and a priest. And these are people that know the words inside and out. So respected men, men that this man would have actually respected and then made them look like criminals compared to the Samaritan's end who would, the lawyer would have called a dog and worthless in society. So Jesus took what this man elevated and made it low, and he then took what this man made low and elevated. See, this is why Jesus is the master storyteller. He knows what's going on in this man's heart based on the questions he's asking him. So what can we learn from this? Well, just a little bit of background, the Levite and the priests were both men of God. This is, why, this is why they were respected in the culture. At least they were supposed to be respected and men of God. They were men who knew the laws of God, the rituals, the order. They also knew that they would be unclean based on the law that they wanted to fulfill if they went to care for this man that was bleeding and half dead. They knew a lot. The knowledge was there. It's only half the battle. See, what they didn't know was God's heart. And unfortunately, that's a big unfortunately for them. Because God's heart is actually throughout the text of Scripture. If we read this text of Scripture and study it and see it, 
Let me show you a couple examples of God's heart. Matthew 9, 13 says, I desire, this is Jesus talking, Jesus desires mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but I came to call the sinners. So if you are a sinner here, if you have fallen short of perfection, this is you are exactly the person that Jesus is coming for. That's really good. That's good news because I'm a sinner too. And I need Jesus as you do. So this is good news. This is mercy and grace. Or in Psalm 51, verse 17, this is, a, this is the context of David, King David having an affair with a, a married woman and then kills the husband in war on purpose. And then he writes this psalm, Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. A broken heart. For what? The sin against God. Godly sorrow. Not worldly sorrow, godly sorrow. I'm broken that I've, I've disgraced my creator. Or Psalm 84, 11 through 12, For the Lord God is a son and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Or 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow about his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come with repentance. And then in the most told story, you know what the most told story is of the scripture? It's the Exodus. It's the second book of the Bible. So if you read through that story, especially the first kind of 15 chapters, you're going to hear that over and over and over again throughout the context of scripture. And this man, this lawyer, would have had this story memorized. Would have been told to him multiple times. And in Exodus 3, 7, 8, it says this, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I want you to put your thinking caps on for a moment. Does that not sound like the Good Samaritan? Is that not a similar story that we've just read in Luke 10? Jesus is a master storyteller telling it multiple different directions when he's telling the same story. See, Jesus is telling the story of the Exodus in a different context. We can't miss this. A broken and hurting people, those in power ignoring it, actually allowing the views to walk around it. And an unlikely deliverer that helps redeem the people. In that story, it's Moses. In this story, it's the Samaritan. There's a redeemer at play. We can't miss this. See, Jesus shows the lawyer that he is like the Levite and the priest. He shows that knowing the law is good, but without acting out of law, you are a part of the problem. See, I wonder at times how much I know and don't act out. I was meditating on this in my office as I was preparing for this sermon. I've read this Bible probably 30 times. How much do I know and don't act out? There's a lot. And you know, sitting in my chair, just crossed arms, leaning back, and just thinking, meditating on this. 
How much do I know that I actually don't live out? And the call is simple, right? Like Jesus in this text says it twice, go and do likewise. Just go and care for the person. You know the answer. See, I like to sit and watch people, and at times you can actually see the hurt that they live in, can't you? Sitting and watching people, and, and sometimes how they interact with family, and sometimes it's joyous occasions, and other times it's like, you can see the anger, and you're not even having a conversation, you're just watching. You can see what's going on in the environment that's around them. You can see the, the, the dysfunction maybe. You can learn a lot from just watching. And in those moments, I'm actually quite broken for them, but like the leeway of the priest, I walk around them. I walk around them. But I want to encourage us as we head into the fall, that we won't do this no more. That we won't as a church, that we'd be a church known for stepping into the hurt. That we'll be a church that is known to step into the suffering. That we'll be a church that's known to step in to help and to bandage up and care for. Don't you want to be like that? So you have to stop being about the outer beauty and start being about the inward change of Jesus. This is what we want. This is the goal. See, what about you? See, I'm saying all these things, giving you a little in-depth into what my heart does in the loneliness of my office. And I want, I want you to do the same this way. Just think about what is going on around you. Watch the people around you. Are you more like a Levite or a priest walking around the hurt? Maybe just even with your kids. Maybe with your wife or your husband, maybe with your family members. Are you more like, I just want to avoid this, or am I, do I know the answer, and am I able to walk into it? See, my hope and prayer is that this fall, this year, the coming years, that we will be about Jesus. No matter, no matter the hardness of it. Number three, look at the third point, knowing and doing is where it's at. This is where the change of the story, where we see Samaritan. It says, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, this broken man, this beat up man. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now, Jesus asks a question that we would all get right at this point. It's the simplest question to draw something out of the heart of this man. Who's the neighbor? Right? Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? It's the easiest question to answer. And the lawyer gets it right, obviously, as each one of us would. He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, the second time now, go and do likewise. This is your answer, friend. Do you want eternal life? Believe on what you know. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor. Go and do that. That will gain you eternal life. 
There are going to be times when we fail. There are going to be times when we just don't get it. There are going to be times when we have the knowledge but zero application. See, there are going to be times where we will stick our foot in our mouths, but are we ready to change? That's really the question. Are we ready to change? Are we ready to move from, from one degree of holiness to the next as the Holy Spirit is prompting us to sanctify us to become more like Christ? Are we ready to live out what we know to be true? As we read and understand the knowledge and, and gain more knowledge, are we now to apply that into our lives? Are we ready for this? See, like one of our core values here at the shore is discipleship. Your kids, as I said last week, are your number one disciples. And I'm so thankful that the kids are in here today taking notes and jots and things down. Very important. But how are we doing? Are we seeking out others to disciple? Are we seeking and come alongside others, putting our arm around, getting to know, inviting it to, into our homes, and, and seeking out, pointing towards Christ-likeness through our lives and also through the lives of others? Are we ready to be Christians, Christ followers? See, no one here is a good Samaritan. Not one of us. Right? Just so just so we're super clear on this story, not one of us is the Good Samaritan. Jesus is the Good Samaritan. Jesus came to us when we were dead, not just beaten on the side of the road, literally dead. Like literally dead. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says this, you were dead in the trespasses and sins. That's our state. That's the beginning state. As soon as you come out of the womb, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. It says it's throughout the scripture in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sense of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. I have no idea what that was. Oh, my God. Desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Or we have Romans 3, chapter, or verse, chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. I, lo I love this verse. It's the one I have memorized, but it's, it's bringing someone that just says, I'm a good person. This is a great one to go to. It's actually quoting the Psalms. But it says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So if you think you're a good person, without Jesus, without the transformation of the Holy Spirit, this is a good one to meditate on. We actually are broken. We're dead in our transgressions. We need the salvation. We need to be healed. We need to be picked up and put on the donkey and taken to the inn and paid our bills and taken care of the wounds which are our sin. And Jesus did all that on the cross. Jesus is a good Samaritan. Jesus also clothed us, cared for our wounds, took time with us, and most importantly, paid for our debt that we owe to the innkeeper. See, so Jesus, you could call a servant king he serves us. And then he says, do likewise. He's a servant king. See, in love, Jesus died on the cross for you and I. In love, Jesus paid the penalty for sin and death for you and I. In love, Jesus gave us freedom that we might not owe anything. In love, Jesus commands us, know this and practice it. Know this and practice it. Knowing is half of that. Now we just got to practice.
See, James 1.22 is one of the more popular verses you would go to this when you, when you say practice the word. Don't just hear it, but practice it. It says on the screen, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Like I said, it's probably one of the more famous verses that you would go to. It's actually the theme of the book of James, this chapter or this verse, one verse. It's the theme. It comes up in other areas of the, in the book. To be not only do, but be doers of the word, not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. But it's not the only time the Bible says this. And I want to point this out to you. Okay, look at these other verses. Earlier on in Luke, it says, But he, Jesus, answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Or in Luke 9, 24, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Like, lose your life. Do it. It's, again, a practice of taking away your sinful flesh for the sake of, of eternal life in Jesus. The next one's. But he said in Luke eleven twenty eight, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Again, it's a practice. This is it's so incredibly important. We need to marry knowledge and practice. We need to marry the two. And then in Romans 2, 13, For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Really important action. There's action to our faith, our understanding. So when we understand that Jesus lived for us, died for us, rose again for our sake, paying the penalty, making a great exchange, taking all of our sin upon himself, and putting all his righteousness upon us, free gift of grace. When you confess in Romans 10, 9 and 10, when you believe that Jesus is Lord, and confess with your mouth you are safe. It's just a free gift now, now knowing that, then he says, go and do. Practice this. Confess Jesus as Lord. Believe upon Jesus for your salvation. This is so incredibly important. See, if you merely hear and know the word of God, the Bible is telling you that you are deceiving yourselves. There has to be both. So knowing is half the battle. There's also the application of the battle. The rest of the battle is doing what the Word of God has commanded you to do. It is to imitate Jesus and to follow His Word. So again, what did Jesus do? I read this text in Luke chapter 4 to some men this week. And it's the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is coming out of the desert after being tempted by Satan. And he gives us multiple things that he did, that his calling was. And, and if we're to imitate Christ, then this is our calling as well. And, and Jesus summarized this, this at the end of Matthew, where it's like, go and make disciples of all nations, doing these things as well. And so look at, look at Luke 4, 18 to 19. Again, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So just like if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is God and that he was raised from the dead, you too have the Spirit of God residing in you. So Jesus is just sharing this. This is the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has, the Spirit has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is part of his ministry. Proclaim good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives. And he has sent me to bring recovering of sight to the blind, 
We're no longer blind when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He's not talking about a physical blindness here. He's talking about a spiritual awakening. He said to set at liberty freedom those who are oppressed and finally to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The goodness of Jesus. So again, how are we to imitate? How are we to go and do likewise? Well, here's more of the text. We are to proclaim the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to those in captivity, to help bring recovery to the blind, those that are dead in sin. We are to share the good news, to bring freedom to the oppressed or in slavery. We are to proclaim his goodness and his favor, which is eternal life. That is his goodness. He wants to bless you eternally. That's good news, right, church? Amen? Oh, man, such good news. And, and our job is so minor. It's just confess him as Lord. Believe upon him for salvation, your saving, your freedom. And then out of that just flows the goodness of the practice. So how are we to imitate? See, the lawyer asked, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered the question, Twice, go and do likewise. This has been my prayer this week, that we would do likewise. That we would go as a calling and do likewise. Do what Jesus does. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your amazing love for us. I thank you that you are slow to teach us and to guide us and that you tell the story over and over that we might get it. And Jesus, I pray that as we study the word this week, as we study the word um, through this year, as long as you delay, Lord, that we will fall deeply in love with who you are and what you have done for us. Jesus, I pray that we will not just pass over the familiar stories, but that we will take some time reflecting on these, especially this one. Or that we will look to give mercy to those that need mercy. They'll look to care for those that need care. They'll look to heal those that need healing. That we will, as you see and look forward, Jesus, that you will proclaim how to see through the goodness of you, Jesus. That we will heal the blind. So Jesus, help us this week to be faithful ministers of the gospel. Help us bring your priesthood into our families' lives, into our kids' lives, and help our kids, Jesus, just fall in love with who you are. You are the good Samaritan. You are the healer, the provider. You've taken our debts upon yourself so that we can wake up from our injuries and come alive in you and walk out and go do likewise. So I just pray, Jesus, for all of us that we'll do this this week.